Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Welcome. I want to echo everything that Laura has just said. If you're a guest or a visitor, if you're catching up later in the week, we are thrilled that you are joining with us. Uh, It was amazing to have over 160 people join in in the first week of our Foundations courses last week. Just to let you know that you can still sign up for those. Uh, So if you missed last week but you want to join in, uh, not this week but next week, uh, head over to the website and sign up. And also just to remind you that corporate prayer is happening this week, Tuesday morning, 7 to 8 in here in the venue and Wednesday night from 7.30 to 8.30. Uh, You need to register for those And can I really encourage you, especially on Tuesday morning, if you can't make it over to the venue, register and join via Zoom. Maybe you're getting the kids out to school, you're having your morning coffee, uh, getting ready for work, whatever it is, we would love you to join us as we worship and pray together on Tuesday morning, 7 to 8, uh, here in the venue and live on uh, Zoom. Like Laura said, it is wonderful to welcome the lovely Debbie Sink with us today. Um, Debbie's been a part of our community for the last couple of years, and uh, for any of you that know Debbie, you will know that she carries the most gentle and potent, joyful presence to all of us. Many of you may recognize her smiley face from being on the door on Sundays when we were able to gather in this venue pre-lockdown, but it is wonderful to have Uh, Debbie with us. Uh, We've asked Debbie to come and share because she's been journeying with us a little bit of um, our decision not to come back to corporate worship until December and uh, really struck us as we kind of listened and chatted with her um, just how healthy and mature and I think helpful her approach to that has been. But we'll get to that uh, much later. We want to hear a bit more of Debbie's kind of story, and uh, I think you'll be uh, challenged and blessed by that. So, Debbie, you're so welcome. It's great to have you with us. Thank you. Can you maybe start by sharing a little bit with us about where you grew up um, when you first became aware of Jesus in your life and that whole kind of part of your story? Um, I grew. I was born in Lisburn. Um, I'm born into a Christian family with brethren. My dad's um, an elder. We went to Fort Hill Gospel Hall. Um, and uh, I suppose it was the two services in the morning and a Sunday afternoon, Sunday school and a Sunday evening. But I also went to, you know, with school, Scripture Union weekends and Bible Cup camps. And and remember probably about 10 or 11 you know, around the bonfire on a Friday night at Bible Cup camp, you know, you sort of um, ask Jesus into your heart, you know, so it was that sort of, um, yeah, so, and then going to Scripture Union in, in school um, as well, you know, so. And around uh, 16, uh, you met a significant person yeah. in, in your life. Tell <laughs> um, us a bit about that. Yeah, I actually met Michael at school at Scripture Union weekend. Right. Uh, so I did, so yeah, we were 16 and we started... I suppose the terms going out with each other then, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we did, yeah. So we, um, and Michael, I ended up getting involved more in his church because there was probably more things for younger people to do. So it was youth club and um, youth fellowship on a Sunday night. Um, And eventually then ended up becoming a member of of that church. So I did and was singing in the choir and I was teaching Sunday school, yeah. 
Lovely. Yeah. Um, and things got quite serious with you, Michael. Things got Is quite that right? serious. <laughs> yeah, we then we got engaged when I was um, 21. Um, yeah, Michael's a year older than me. Yeah, we got engaged 21, and then married when we we got married then when I was 20 a year later. So we were 22 and 23. Um, yeah, when we got married. Yeah. And not long after that, uh, the boys arrived. The boys arrived. Um, yeah. Two years later, I was 24 when I had Connor. And then quite soon after, Alex came along and Luke came along. So I think I had three boys of four and under at one stage. That were <laughs> 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 it was a bit of a madhouse. Full, full life. Full and life. tell us a bit about what kind of family like life looked like with you and Michael and the boys as they kind of grew. And... Yeah, we had, um, Michael was um, an officer in the boys' brigade and he loved outdoors. So. Obviously, I was in the minority, being the only girl in the house. So he loved canoeing. Um, we hill walk. We were hill walking. We had a caravan, and we spent loads of time in the caravan. So we did um, out on our bicycles, um, full on, full on yeah. outdoor stuff. Lots going on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in 2001, I think if I'm right, on one particular weekend on the boat, uh, something happened that changed everything. Yeah. For you guys, um, tell, tell us a bit about yeah, that. Yeah, Michael hadn't been, that, that was a weekend in June, um, start of June, and Michael hadn't been well for a few months prior to that, just with a, a persistent cough, um, being to the doctor on and off, but that weekend we were up on our boat in Antrim Forum water skiing, just with, with other friends, and um, Michael took ill and ended up being admitted to hospital that weekend, just to general ward, because we weren't sure what, what was going on. Um, and I remember that week, it was the, the Thursday of that full week, they were, they were running tests. And the Thursday of that week, I remember, remember very clearly because it was voting polling mm. day, so the boys' school was closed. So I was in Lisburn with, with the boys and um, I got the phone call from Michael to say that I needed to come down to the hospital um, straight away. So I went, went down with Michael's mum, actually, and we went... And I knew, because as soon as I walked in, our minister, then Michael had already phoned our minister, um, Bobby, and I knew as soon as I went in um, that it wasn't good. He was diagnosed. He actually had, it was, it was cancer was already secondaries. They had three and two and a half litres off his lung, and in that was cancerous cells, but it already had started to, to mm. spread through his body, so it had, yeah. So it was, well. yeah. What age were the boys at that stage? They were, it was only a short illness, so they were, they were six, six and seven and ten probably, because then, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it was a very yeah. short illness, things went downhill very quickly, is Yeah, that right? it was a crazy eight months just, um, so it was um, intense chemo, um, but it was really, you know, straight into palliative, mm. palliative care, um, so it was, yeah. and. Wow trying to be blessed with really good family and friends too because I think we were in the hospital more than we were out of the hospital, mm. you know. So I'm um, trying to keep the boys, keep life for them as normal as possible, you know, while they're still watching the changes to their dad happen very, very quickly. You yeah. know, it went from a dad that was doing all the outdoor stuff um, to losing so much weight and just not being able to to do any of those things anymore, yeah. So it was a, a very crazy eight months wow. um, journey. So it was, yeah. 
And after Michael passed away with a 11, 8 and 7, is that right, the boys were? Yeah, 7, 8 and 11 on that stage. Connor had literally just, in the September start at Bixby, he started at Wallace, so wow. he had, and then Alex and Luke. Yeah, they were still um, at primary school, so they were. So, wow. Yeah. What was life like in that kind of, um, in the aftermath of that, that moment? I think, you? as I said to you, I think you sort of go into... Um, survival it was just like mm. it was like just keeping us afloat keeping the boys you know in the routine getting yeah. them back they we kept them off school for a while but not not very long because they needed to, to get you know sure. normality so it was just keeping them at school and you know keeping them in the boys brigade mm. and sunday school and trying just to keep going with three with three boys it yeah. was you know with wow. boys being boys you know and yeah yeah and Around 2004, things changed again for, for you. Um, t tell us what happened. Um, yeah, um, actually that, that weekend that Michael took ill on the boat, we, um, with friends, mutual friend, um, we were at water skiing and um, uh, a friend, he was a mutual friend of friends, Gordon. Um, and he actually um, visited Michael in hospital. You know, um, so we had to remember and visit Michael Hospital. So Gordon, he's, Gordon started to come to our church more regularly, and um, the boys, boys were very familiar with him and knew him. Um, and uh, then I started playing badminton, and again through these mutual friends, and yeah, sort of sort of kicked off from playing badminton at church. So I did that. I was a few hill, few church walks up in the through the the, the morns. Um, yeah, Gordon was came in quietly. Yeah. And um, yeah. And and things with Gordon got quite serious. Tell us a bit about uh, his journey towards proposing to you. There's yeah, a lovely I, I, story I, about I him think he and... proposed to me at the top of the stairs, but <laughs> it wasn't very romantic. <laughs> but um, Gordon was very aware. I think that's with the boys that he wasn't coming to replace. Their dad, mm. you know, that was that was the, the amazing thing about Gordon. He was very quiet and very unassuming. He came in, and um, yeah, he asked Connor um, for his permission to marry me. Wow. So he did. <laughs> I love yeah, that story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what age would Connor be at that? Connor time? was just fourteen. Fourteen. And, he, and Connor yeah. said yes. Connor said, I think Connor said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Take her. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he, he, he had stepped into the role, you know, of looking after me, really. Mm. He, he grew up very quickly, so I think I think there was a bit of relief wow. for Connor, too. You know, and and they, as I said, the three boys adored Gordon, mm. you know, and were step families go. It wasn't perfect, yeah. you know, um, but it was, wow. it was good, yeah, yeah. And would it be fair to say, Debbie, that um, maybe unsurprisingly for, for some of us, that during that kind of time in your life and family, your relationship with Jesus wasn't by any means uh, non-existent, but it was maybe perhaps a bit dry. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, we were sort of like sort of taken over type mm. of thing. And yeah. our walk, was, it wasn't a close walk mm. with Jesus, you know, and again, we were going through you know, the crazy teenage years with the, yeah. the, the boys and getting them, you know, yeah. kind of a bit like survival, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And, get, and getting them through that. So, yeah, it was, it was taking over. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then in 2013, another fairly big move happened, uh, perhaps quicker than, than you guys had yeah. thought or planned. Um, t tell us how you ended up moving to Australia. Yeah, we, um, as I say, we were, we were taken over and we, we, we find ourselves in the position of, you know, having to find a church and we just never really, you know, got there, so we didn't. And then this opportunity arose. Connor and Danielle um, had already moved to Australia and my middle son Alex was already in New Zealand and because Gordon was a New Zealand citizen it was very easy for us mm. to um, for me especially to get a visa so we had this opportunity Luke was staying to study at Queen's here so we thought right okay but put the house up for sale and it sold really quickly but I think I said to you you know hand and heart we definitely didn't put um, God really at the center of that move we mm. were really doing that on our own which you know, obviously, turned out that God was very, very much in the mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. So off we went to. But in in the in the time, Gordon was going on the October, and I was going out in the December. And Gordon, um, we had no real, we had no jobs mm. sorted. But Gordon had, um, he got that email accidentally. It was it was sent to him by mistake, um, from a company in Brisbane. He worked with surveying lasers, and. Um, Gordon was, oh, wow, this is a company that he knew of. So he emailed them back and said, you know, would you believe it? He says, I'm actually coming out in October. Um, and So they, they, just to be clear, they emailed your Gordon intending to email another, another Gordon. Another, I think because it was like training that he had done in a way back in Switzerland. And okay. he was like obviously on the, the list. list. So they'd sent it to the wrong Gordon. Gordon. Um, so he emailed them back and said, oh, he says, I'm actually moving out to the Gold Coast in, in October. And it filled them in a bit more. And they said, well, look us up. Come and see us when you arrive. And by the time I got out in December, they had offered him an amazing job. Wow. And a, a job that he absolutely loved. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then tell us a bit about, uh, you connected with a church out there and some of your journey into that community yeah, and the when effects we, of that. Um, Gordon had family in Australia and his sister Ellie and Connor and Dan Danielle at this stage were, um, it was a small Hillsong campus and it actually only really started, it had, it had just been planted in the Gold Coast, so it was quite a small campus, so um, we sort of went along and had a good feeling about it, and um, yeah, and it was, we were only probably in a few weeks and there was one Sunday morning a call to prayer, call for prayer. And I remember Gordon was standing beside me one minute and the next minute I looked and he was away. He was up to the front. And would that have been normal for him? No. No, <laughs> okay. no, right. no, no. <laughs> Definitely not. I thought, wow. And he went up to, to be prayed for. And it turned out the guy, Alex, had prayed for him. It turned out to be connect group that we ended up being invited along to. Wow. Alex was our connect group leader. Wow. So Alex um, prayed for Gordon and it was literally like God had just flicked a switch with wow. Gordon's faith. Wow. You know, it was it was absolutely amazing. It mm. was like it was an immediate mm. change and his his relationship with Jesus it was just I, I sort of felt I was coming along behind, you know, Gordon kept saying to me, it's not a race, you know, it's not a race, you know. <laughs> But yeah, it was. I was getting there. Um, but yeah, his 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 journey with Jesus was was amazing from so that point. Tell us a bit more just about that time of connect group, church, work, 
And uh, for both of you, I think uh, you described to me like you, your relationship with Jesus just came alive. Yeah, it really did. And we, you know, we joined the Connect group and an amazing group of people. Um, so they were. And it, I th think the thing we noticed was, you know, um, it was very honest mm. and they were very open. Mm. So you felt able to share, um, which was amazing. So that was the Connect Group. And then we started to volunteer um, on a welcome team. And then we ended up leading a welcome team. And Gordon also was involved in a men's Connect Group. And I was, the Hillsong was like sisterhood. Mm. So I became part of um, sisterhood um, um, as well. So wow. yeah, so it was um, busy with church, but amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. So everything yeah. in Australia is going brilliant. Um, and then tell us about sort of autumn, winter 2014. What, what yeah, happened we, um, we had just celebrated, Connor and Danielle decided to get married there in the August. Um, so we just celebrated their wedding in the August. And Gordon and I had decided to, to rent somewhere until we decided where to buy. And would you believe, you know, the... The house that we bought was in an area called Hope Island. Wow. And our address was Sanctuary Gardens. Sanctuary Gardens and Hope, Hope Island. Hope Island. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Amazing. It was, uh, yeah, um, God was in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and we, we, we bought our house in September. And again, Alex, our connect group leader, he was a builder. So mm. we went to a few wee jobs to it. And we moved in. And Connor and Danielle were still with us at this stage too. So we moved in on the 6th of December. But Gordon just sort of like a week, two weeks before that, had this cough, went to the doctor. And the doctor there, very thorough, just did it. She said, we'll just do an x-ray, an x-ray. So literally a week, a week later, I remember it was the 14th of December, um, Gordon had got a call from the doctor to say they needed to see him urgently, that they had, um, sorry, they had um, picked up a, a huge tumor on his, sorry, on his kidney, so they did. So, yeah, I remember already being at home and Gordon walking into the kitchen, and he just started. He just burst into tears. But I knew. I just, I just knew. Mm. I says, "It's cancer, isn't it?" And, and I think I said too. I said, "I remember just standing there and thinking, saying to God, are you, are you serious?'" Yes. I actually said, "I actually said, are you serious, God? Is this a joke? Mm. Is this a joke?" And thinking, I. I, I can't do this again. Mm. I can't do this again. And I thought of the boys, and I thought we were, you know, even my parents, you know, sort of think, yeah. you know, my my stage of life, like, you know, we were settled, and, you know, was, and just in, a, in an instant, it all changed again. And mm. thinking, I'm out in Australia, I'm at the other side of the world. Yeah. Away from family, and we had Gordon's family there, and, and amazing friends, but... I just, and I just kept thinking this isn't fair on the boys either. Mm, wow, wow. So as Gordon began treatment, tell us a bit about the uh, role of your connect group and the church community that you guys were a part of and how that kind of... Yeah, because yeah, that was very quickly, Gordon was admitted to hospital to get the tumour and the kidney, um, kidney removed. And we had a great few months and continued with you know, our connect group and church and serving. Um, so we did and amazing support. Mm. And they just kept a check on Gordon. There was no other treatment at that stage. And we got to November and then he um, it, he had started to lose power in, a, in, his, in his right hand. And, and then 
straight to the, he had gone for CT scan straight to the emergency room and they had, there was four large tumours. And I remember um, being in that waiting room and before you knew it, just, you know, our pastor was there, our church family was there and family and it was the, the, the peace that was in that waiting room was absolutely amazing, mm. you know, and they were praying and they were praying out loud, you know, wow. I don't know what other people in the waiting room thought, you know, but, and, and Gordon was, I remember looking at him thinking, he was sitting there with a smile on his face, mm. you know, you wouldn't even think that he had just been given this news and that was, that was going on, wow. and, you know, um, yeah. I think the way you described yeah. it to me was uh, the church took over the waiting took, room. The church, it, it was like, yeah, wow. they took over the waiting room because I remember, I think there was one woman in the waiting room that knew our pastor and she came over to ask him what was, you know, what was happening, what yeah. was going on, yeah. Church yeah. and hospital, yeah. beautiful, yeah. beautiful picture. Yeah. Um, talk to us about what happened when you got Gordon home from hospital. Yeah, he, he had to have um, what they call full brain radiation because there was a lot of smaller tumours as well. So that, we were, we were told of the side effects of that. He went through a few weeks of, a few weeks of that radiation and he did end up um, needing to walk with a walking stick and I think his speech had slowed down slightly and obviously handwriting was, was hard too. But when he came home, I think we were only, he was only home a few days and I remember it was like three o'clock in the morning, dead on three o'clock. And it actually, it actually frightened me because I thought, what's going on here? Because Gordon, like, you know, when somebody sits up really, really straight and he, he sat up really straight and I thought, and he got out of bed and remembering that he needed a walking stick, you know, he got out of bed and, and out heading down the stairs and I said, where are you going? And he, and, and he, he said, I'm going to talk with God. Wow. God wants me downstairs. Okay, so down the stairs was no walking stick. And I lay in bed listening, and honestly, it was like you and I are having this conversation. I listened to a full-on conversation, and that went on, actually, for the, probably the cuts of two weeks, and it was three o'clock every morning. And, and the one thing that God told Gordon to do was to write it all down, because I have it all. Mm, wow. And all the journaling that he did, even... And his handwriting was very, very clear. And it was God telling him to, to write this down. And the, the two things that probably, that were very, that God made very clear was, he was telling Gordon, he says, you and Debbie need to, you need to worship and praise me in this time. Wow. He says, you need to praise me. And, and it's as much about Debbie and what's ahead for her wow. as it is about, you know, I think, yeah. And it's, it's amazing to have, I haven't read through them all, but and how, how yeah. did how did you and Gordon respond to feeling like going through one of the hardest things I think any of us can imagine? How did you process or re feel about God saying you need to worship me right right now? Yeah, I you know I I I, I was coming from it. Gordon was so you know he kept saying God knows. God knows and he sees us. And I was like, praise. How, how, how can I stand and worship and praise God when I'm looking at my husband who's mm. so, so ill and gone through so much pain and, you yeah. know. Um, but we, we did, 
we we did. You just decided you were going we to do it. We thought that this is it, and and it was very much you know it's that you know that we saying it's about it's about us, but it, it's not about us. Mm, yeah. And it wasn't about us, you know, and it was about what we, how we journeyed with God in this time, and you could definitely see how God, you know, prepared was preparing us for mm. this, unknown to us at the time. Wow. You know how yeah. You, you told me last week that um, as you both decided to worship God in the middle of hard things, that uh, I think the way you described it was you said that your faith actually got stronger as the year got worse. Can you tell us a bit yeah, about, about we, that? Yeah, we, um, our faith did get did get stronger. It was amazing, but we 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 decided to um, when we weren't going to hospital appointments, we either listened to podcasts or watched on YouTube um, different different speakers. And there was one, Jensen Franklin, who we listened to, and he had been talking about um, the disciples in the storm, rowing, you know, in the, in the boat in the storm. And it was just like, um, like Gordon and I both at the same time just looked at each other. We just looked at each other and said, that's us. We're in this boat, mm. in this storm, and we need, no, how ma no matter how hard it is, we need to keep rowing. And we can't stop. And we need, no matter what was on the other side, that we needed to keep going. So we did. Yeah, and I had, then I, ha I can't even remember how it came about faith over fear. We had that written on our bathroom mirror and, and the bathroom. So, had, so we looked at that every day, mm. you know, just to remind us that, that God was, was, was here and he was with us and he was in it, even on those days where it just was like, you felt some days I just oh, I actually don't think I could actually breathe, mm. you know, if I wow. even to get a breath. One, one of the things I, I found so inspiring when I was chatting to you about this was how often we've talked in this community about the importance of habits and rhythms and rituals mm -hmm. in our lives. And I think it's, it's very clear that um, what sustained you guys in worship wasn't, um, wasn't that you just did it when you felt like it but that actually it just became a rhythm yep. in, in your life yeah. and that really, that really sustained yeah. you. And um, yeah. in 2016, uh, it was clear that things were getting worse. Um, tell, us, tell us what happened and how you both decided to respond in, in that. Yeah, we, um, again, we were surrounded by an amazing church family who came and prayed with us. They, they were consistent mm. and and were there. The support was amazing, and um, yeah. And we remember we 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 started having we we decided to share communion together, just the two of us, as often as we could. Mm. So we did that because our pastor had come out and shared communion. You know, it, it it was a funny moment. You know, he arrived with we love the Krispy Kreme donuts that you can't get here. <laughs> so we thought he brought Gordon some because Gordon wasn't eating very well and thought, well, maybe Gordon, you know, could have that. I'm, I'm with a carton of Ribena. Um, but I didn't have any bread in the house for communion, so we had communion with the Krispy Kreme donuts, you know. So, so that's good how it did. I think that went back to the Hillsong staff meeting, you know. We had communion. But yeah. we, we decided then to, for us, that, that really helped us. Gordon really, really wanted to, 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 have the, to share communion together. Mm. So we made time for that. If we could do it every day, we, we did it every day. Wow. Um, so we did, but on those really hard days, because it was just, it was never any good reports. It was never good news. And um, 
I remember that one day, Gordon said, he says, let's write all, let's make a list of all the good things that God's given us. And we, we ended up calling those our wee half miracles, you know, because, wow. you know, it was getting more obvious that we maybe weren't going to get mm. the miracle, but said, you know, let's, let's make a list. So we remember writing the list um, and we called those our wee half miracles. Wow. So we did of just all of, you know, the people that God had placed in our lives. Um, he had given us and, you know. Um, so, so you cultivated a life of worship and gratitude, really? Yeah. In the midst of... Yeah, this. and we had, I think, a friend had written out lots of Bible verses and laminated them, and um, her and I, we stuck them all around the house in different places, in the kitchen, in the living room, just so we could see them, and I found actually reading them, saying them out loud. I, mm. I find declaring things out loud really made a difference. Mm, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So by, by August, it was clear that th where things were, were headed. Um, can, can you tell us a bit about what happened and yeah, um, how, how you guys ha handled that together? Yeah, because Gordon, through his journey in and out of hospital, always had his um, Bible there and his bite and his notes so that 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 started a lot of conversations you know and one of his surgeons a urology surgeon was a christian and mm. we had amazing conversations you know um so we did so by the august um there was nothing more that was the stage where yeah you know we were told it, it was possibly weeks but gordon was in so much pain he was admitted then to a palliative care unit mm. with amazing doctors and amazing um consultant joe and um, we had this amazing room. Um, I, think, I think God knew the room that we needed and it, it opened, there was a bed in it mm -hmm. for me and it opened out onto a beautiful courtyard with water features. And, and it meant because we, it was opened out that we could, you know, our, our, our connect group, they, they covered him in prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was just amazing. And Gordon's, we, we played worship music again, you know, that's my thing. If you nothing else, put the worship music on. But Gordon's favorite song was um, um, "Oh Praise the Name of the Lord Our God." He loved that, and his favorite was "Oh Trample Death, Where Is Your Sting?" That was his. Wow. That was his his line, and so we played that constantly in his room, you know, and and the nurses and the the doctors would have said they never experienced a peace and a calmness in a room, considering what news we had got and what what was ahead within, you know, literally just a few weeks, mm. you know, um, yeah, it was, wow. was amazing, just, just how God was there. And how you were able to be there at the very end. And yeah, Gordon went to heaven. He went to see Jesus, think, with Oprah's name plan. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow, what an, yeah. what, uh, I've been thinking about that uh, image all, all week, actually, of that, that transition moment to that song um it's just powerful after um after gordon passed away did did you think you would move home to northern ireland um i thought oh gosh you know i was i did come home for a few months um so i did just to see family here and to see um you know, mum and dad had flown out to Australia. Um, they were with they were with me. Luke was there, and Alex was there. Um, but I remember going back, and I was I had I was teaching in a in a 
King's Christian College, a beautiful Christian school, and I'd got a call from the director of, of the Noah's Ark and to say, what are your plans? We'd love to have you back, because mm. I'd given up, you know, to, 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 care, to care for Gordon. So that was the January, I thought, right, okay. And I was given some advice, you know, to give yourself a year and not make any decisions, you know, if you're emotionally and whatever. So I thought, right, okay. As much as I missed family, as much as I wanted, you know, to be home. And because Josiah had been born, he was here. So, yeah, so I back school and I continued on leading the Sisterhood Connect group and mm. church and... Um, I had applied to um, Hillsong College. I thought, right, I, thought, I was really, really sure that's where God was leading me. So that was sort of the end of this, that summer. I applied for Hillsong, paid my fees, had my place to start then. And there, the January is their start. So I had that. Yeah, um, I thought, okay. But I was still, that's still like thinking, am I meant to be here and praying to God? And I'm like one of those, I'm not a very patient person. And I was like, I needed the writing on the wall, you know, yeah, thought, yeah, yeah. you know, I needed, yeah. I needed to know. Yeah, I can yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did, it, it, it did. And it happened with um, a girl that I was working with. Tell us about that, because I, I think this is a brilliant story. Yeah, because she, she, it was just one morning she came in and she says, Debbie, she says, I have had this word from God for you. And it was really, really clear you know, about how she saw me with my family, with, you know, home here and with Josiah and with my, with my grandchildren, you know. And it was very just, and I knew it was, again, like, so I just thought, oh, I'm going home. Mm. I'm going home, you know. And it was as, like, it was as clear as that, um, you know, no, no hills on college and, you know, yeah. One of, one of the um, scriptures I love is when Jesus talks about how his, uh, my sheep know my voice. And what was really struck me about your journey with Gordon and even your journey back to Northern Ireland was, um, I find this humbling and inspiring is that like God, God didn't need to tell you guys things more than once that time. This is when, when he spoke, you recognized his voice instantly and were headed for Sydney and decided to, I don't know whether it's a left turn or a right turn, but ended up back in Northern Ireland. Um, yeah. Not long after... Uh, Coming home, uh, you ended up uh, here at Langley yeah. Vineyard. Um, yeah. Tell us, tell us yeah. how that happened and some of what was going on um, around that time. Well, the few times that I have been, been home, I have come home twice. So I had, and I, in fact, when I came home after Gordon passed away, you very kindly, that's when I first met Laura, you very kindly let us use here um, to have a celebration for Gordon, for family and friends here, and James led worship for us, and it was amazing. So that was my first... So when Connor and Danielle obviously were going here and um, so and then I came home again and I just, it was just seemed the right place to be and it just made sense, sense to be here. So when I came home, I came straight away and I was very aware too that I didn't want to be dependent on Connor and Danielle, you know, mm. but, but being on your own, I remember I still find sometimes it's hard to walk into somewhere on your own, mm. you know, it's a big, mm. it's a big change, but I, and I immediately then I thought, right, I need to, to get involved, I need to join, join the welcome team. Um, ended up leading the Tuesday morning track, co-leading it with Julie and I'm part of the gather team as well. So I just sort of threw myself in because I found very much too what God, you know, as much to praise him, but it was about 
giving and serving as well, mm. which really helped me as well, but by helping and serving others, that that helped me as well in, wow. in, in, in my journey, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I shared with you last week, this sounds a bit creepy and weird sometimes, but one of the things I, I do in my job is just observe. Uh, I try not to use <laughs> the watch word, because that sounds straight. I just like, you know, anyway. Um, I think one of the things that has really struck me over the last couple of years as I've just observed you in our community is how you have gently um, and yet so uh, potently served and brought so much hope and life uh, to so many people. And in our community, we, we, uh, we've absolutely loved that you chose to make uh, this community your home. Debbie, you've journeyed with grief and loss more profoundly, perhaps, than many of us can really uh, fathom. And you know what it's like to have circumstances outside of your control disrupt your life in all sorts of ways. And one of, one of the reasons we thought this was a, was a good moment um, for you to share your story with our, our, our whole um, community is that this um, perhaps in not quite as an intense way for many of us, but this year, 2020, has been a year of um, incredible disruption. There are so many in our community that, um, whether that's the loss of a loved one or the loss of a career or the loss of uh, financial uh, security or whatever, whatever that is, church not being actually here on a Sunday, um, what would you say to those of us who are struggling to find our bearings at the moment and perhaps struggling to make sense of everything that's going on around us at the yeah, minute? Yeah, I, I know I don't, wherever you find yourself and whatever place you're in, and I think it's hard and maybe, you know, you feel like you can't see God and you don't think God's there, that he's away somewhere that you just can't see him. But I would say just remember that, you know, he, he sees and he knows, he knows and, and he hasn't forgotten about us and he's a faithful God. Mm. You know, I'm proof that he's a faithful God. I wouldn't be here, you know, if it wasn't for him and, and it certainly wasn't in my own strength that I did it, it was in his strength. But, you know, we described ourselves being in that boat. I would say just, you know, if you're in that boat and uh, in the middle of that storm, keep, keep rowing that mm. boat. Keep going. And remember, my dad sent me a message, you know, saying, remember when you're tired to rest and God will keep rowing for you. Mm, you know, and well. always remember that. So I would say just just keep keep find, keep seeking Jesus. Well. Even when all of you, it's in you is to, to pull away and mm. to say, you know, why God? And, and, I, and, I think, and I think it's important too to know that it's okay to ask God questions and it's okay to be cross and it's okay because I, I did it. And I still do it mm. today. You know, I still, I still, there's still sadness there. I'm still walking through a journey, you know, but, you know, it's like Josiah, I get to talk to Josiah about his granda Gordon and granda Michael, and it breaks mm. my heart that he will never know them and they'll never know him, mm. you know, and that's hard. And, 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 and what is the journey for my boys, you know, and that's sometimes still, I'm still going, you know, why, mm. you know, but I think, that's when I have to turn around to a positive and say, well, thank you for my grandchildren. Wow. Thank you that I have a family, you know? So I think, I think there's always, always something to be thankful for. Mm. And if it means, you know, there's days that you feel maybe you don't, you don't want to pray, you don't know what to pray for. I would say, even just put your worship music on. Mm. I have an amazing playlist of anybody, anybody wants <laughs> it. 
of songs that as soon as I put that on in the house, that immediately changes the whole atmosphere. Mm. And I write, your, write a list of all the things that you're thankful for, wow. that you, all the positives, all the we have miracles. But the one thing I do, I would say is, if you can start your day with Jesus, even if it's only 10 minutes, if you can start your day with Jesus in your heart, that really sets you up for whatever comes at you the rest of that day. Wow. You know, and it's not, I know sometimes you're up in the morning and think, oh, and there's days you just don't want to, you don't want to maybe get out of bed. But I would just say, keep, because God, he's given us, as Laura said earlier, he's given us this hope and this future. So he has, that's, that's just amazing. Mm. And just, you know, and he's great plans. He has great plans, whatever. As we come through, as we're coming through this journey and whatever storm you're in, that he's great plans on the other side. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, whenever, whenever you heard about our decision, because I know being in this uh, room on a Sunday morning, worshiping with the rest of your church family matters a lot to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, Whenever you heard of our decision to not do that for a few more months, um, how, how did you feel about that? I think I maybe said seriously, Andy. Because <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't see with her mask yeah, 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 on. Yeah. Um, oh, I have to say, I was like, I was devastated. Mm. I thought, oh no, this is because I think that's the one thing, like me and like. A lot of people, that's, you know, a bit of a security in ways and mm. to be with, here to be with your church family and to see them and mm. to, and even the practical to be on the welcome team and just to, to serve. And I thought, this is terrible. Mm. I was, I was absolutely devastated, so I was, yeah. I was like, I'm a bit cross with that. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, as is very typical for you, um, then you began to ask God what he was saying. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'll have a <laughs> you felt like the Lord spoke some things to you, didn't he? I, I'd love you to, yeah, I'd love you to um, share those. It was, Laura had asked me just, you know, what you thought, what, what I thought about after that announcement. And, and I thought, without, before jumping in, I thought, okay. Okay, God, what? You know, and it would have been a few days later and God very quietly reminded me of I think it was, I can't remember whether it was a podcast or a little article. He reminded me, and it was that I had read during Gordon's journey with cancer. And it was about being in God's, it was about being in God's waiting room. Mm. And it was very much like, you know, if you're, you're in the doctor's, you're in the doctor's waiting room, you expect, you're there on time and you expect the doctor to be on time. And that's like in God's waiting room, we're there waiting for God. And we are on time for God, but God's late. Mm. And he hasn't shown up. And, and, and that's, he reminded me, and I'll read it, it's about, it's, it's about how we're there on time for appointment, but he's late, and it's, but it's about what we do mm. in that waiting, and, and when you were talking about the wilderness, and I thought I could see the waiting and the wilderness, mm. and it was about, and, and then it went on to say it's his time, in this time it's his time to transform our hearts, and to transform our character, and our understanding of his faithfulness, mm. and and it's sometimes what God does. Say those things again. It's, it was, it's his time to transform our hearts, mm. to transform our character and understanding of his faithfulness. Wow. And it's, 
And then the last wee bit was, it's, it's sometimes what God does in the waiting room of our lives is more important for our future than what we ever hoped. So I thought, wow. So I, I shared that with Laura and I just thought, it's, it's, it's what we do now, mm. between now and us hopefully coming back in mm. December. Mm. And about, because that will make a big difference when we do come back. Wow. One of the things I uh, notice all the time is how little of sermons people actually remember. And uh, it's kind of a preacher's curse. Um, or how often people tell me what they heard in the sermon and I'm thinking, I actually never said that, but uh, <laughs> glad that you heard that. Um, what I love about um, what you felt like the Lord was speaking to you about, um, I don't really care if people remember what I've said as much as whether people are hearing from the Lord what we as a community feel like he is saying. Will you just read that last little sentence again about what happens in the waiting room? Sometimes what God does in the waiting room of our lives is more important for our future than what we had ever hoped for. For our church family, um, I don't know if I uh, wish I had written that. It's brilliant. Um, it summarizes the moment we're in perhaps better than anything I have actually said that um, I was chatting with another church leader last week and um, they were asking me about our plan to do this and I said you have to understand there was no plan um, we, we feel like God's spoken and uh, because he has some work that he wants to do in us and it is work and it is hard uh, but it is so important for, for our future um, Debbie what are you excited about or what do you feel like God is saying to us beyond that at the moment? I know you have some, some things that you feel yeah, like yeah, you want to share. I, James, would you and the guys get ready to come, yeah, come um, back up in a minute? Yeah, I think I said to you, I was, when I, I tried to journal a bit, you know, through Gordon's illness and it was a way back in the April 2016 and I had this very clear dream. I learned God spoke in very different ways and this dream of it's, I saw myself on a platform or a stage sharing my story and I thought, oh my goodness, that's so not me. But here I am four years later, you know, getting to do that and to even if it helps one person, you know, but I'm, I'm excited. I, I do believe God, God opens one, closes a door and he opens another door. And I think, I do believe that in this time, it's, it's what we do now in the next few months before we come back and these great, great plans mm. for, for us individually and for us as a church. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. do you have a piece of scripture that yeah, you want to Yeah, I just, I was praying and I said this verse of scripture popped up a few times and it's just from Psalm 139, verses 8 just to 10. And it's, if I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Wow. Um. I just want to say on behalf of our church family how grateful we are that you're a part of this community. Um, we, we love you and we love how you choose to live your life. That it's, it's Jesus oriented and um, one of the things for any that know you will know that when you walk into a room or into a relationship, you can't, it, you just can't help, but I don't know, I'm just like, Debbie's here, there's reason to be happy, you know? Um, 
<laughs> and uh, we just we just love we, we love that um, that you've chosen to live your life towards Jesus and openly uh, for everyone else. We love that you've been um, uh, excited in a strange way to share your life with us, and we, we want to honour that. Bless you for that. Um, I'm going to let you, uh, you move off the platform. I'm going to pray, and um, we're going to we're going to worship. Uh, together we're going to pray as a whole community I'd love us to pray for uh, Debbie um, and uh, for her family as well and uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll pray for us all so um, wherever you are right now in your kitchens or living rooms um, even maybe if you're driving catching up on the podcast can I just uh, encourage you to join me as we, as we pray Pray for Debbie and, uh, and for all of us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are a faithful God. Father, our confession today is that you're a good God who brings hope into the midst of dark and difficult circumstances. And Lord, today we thank you for Debbie. Thank you for Connor and for Alex and for Luke. Thank you for the wider family, for grandchildren. And Lord, today we just humbly ask you to bless them. Not in a trite, <laughs> religious way, but in a glorious, heavenly, abundant way. Jesus, would you pour your blessing out upon their whole family? Cover them with your presence and your peace. Continue to fill them with hope and life and light. And Father, as we have listened today, would you impart something of Debbie's resilient, Jesus-orientated life into each of us. Teach us how to worship in the midst of storms. Teach us how to live grateful for small things. Teach us how to give our lives away to those around us. Come, Holy Spirit, now. Come, lead us as we worship Jesus. We are gonna worship together for a few moments. Can I just say, if Debbie's story has um, stirred up uh, emotions in you, has reminded you of difficult or hard things that you've walked through that we'd love to hear from you, we'd love to connect with you, we'd love to care for you if we can. Um, but more than any of that, we would love to help you uh, just welcome the presence of Jesus wherever you are right now. So feel free to um, maybe stay seated if that's where you are right now. And uh, just welcome, open your hands up in front of you, maybe place your hand on your heart. Just welcome the comforting presence of Jesus as your guys.